You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest-drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. Welcome to the Matt Lombardo Show, part of the Stacking the Box podcast. Please welcome your host, Matt Lombardo. All right. Welcome on into the Matt Lombardo Show right here inside Fansided Stacking the Box podcast feed. I'm Matt Lombardo, Fansided's national NFL insider, and boy, oh boy, do we have a massive show ahead for you. Eagle safety Kayvon Wallace drops by. You look up the Jersey Turnpike in New York, and the Giants seem to have a new retirement every hour. The Indianapolis Colts seem to be suffering a major significant injury every day, and the biggest story of the NFL offseason and now has become one of the major storylines of the NFL preseason. All that and a whole lot more. But before we get into it, a little bit of housekeeping, as always. If you like what you hear on the podcast, I'd really love it if you went ahead and subscribed in the Apple Podcast Store, inside Spotify, SoundCloud, Spreaker. Check this out on YouTube, all of your favorite podcast platforms. And I'd really appreciate those five-star reviews if you love the program. Let me know what you like, what you don't like, who a guest might be that you might want to have on the pod. And I'll go try to bring him on. Even as the NFL preseason got underway on Thursday with the Hall of Fame game, one of the biggest storylines of the entire offseason still kind of is hanging over the NFL as the preseason begins. And that's the ongoing Aaron Rodgers saga with the Green Bay Packers. Now, we touched on it last week that this is really a one-year shotgun marriage, and the Packers seem to make a lot of concessions to keep Aaron Rodgers happy for one more run at one more Super Bowl. Rodgers, of course, has one Super Bowl ring on his finger, but Rodgers really stepped up to the podium this week and aired some grievances about what really led to all of the acrimony, all of the angst, all of the drama in Titletown over the last few months. And I think this clip was pretty telling. 
Yeah, and there, somebody snapped a picture at practice yesterday of you and Goody talking, and I'm just wondering if the communication between you guys is, is the same, better, worse than it was uh, before. Um, well, I think it's a work in progress for sure. I, I mean, I think, you know, relationships aren't formed uh, in a matter of a couple of days. You know, there's there's time where the respect grows and the, and the communication follows. You know, I think the the greatest relationships that you have, you know, with your friends and loved ones involve conversations that flow. You know, you can not talk to a close friend for a few months and pick up right where you left off. Now, you listen to Aaron Rodgers talk there, and he's talking a lot about trust and about how there might not be the requisite amount of trust between GM Brian Gutekunst and himself, that that might have been the source of the acrimony between the franchise quarterback of the Green Bay Packers and the reigning MVP and the front office and the rest of the organization, including President Mark Murphy. But I'll go a step further here. When you look at quarterbacks around the NFL, I'm talking the marquee quarterbacks, the biggest names and the biggest stars. You look at Tom Brady, he might not have had all of the cachet and all of the power in New England playing for Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots for all of those years. But he goes to Tampa Bay and he's basically not only the face of that organization, but one of the more powerful voices throughout that entire franchise. Bruce Arians didn't impart his system on Tom Brady when he arrived in Tampa Bay. It was Byron Lethwich and Bruce Arians who needed to adapt their scheme to fit Tom Brady's skill set and what he was used to. You look at what the Buccaneers have done. They've gone out, they brought back Chris Godwin. They went out, one of the first things they did after signing Tom Brady was talking Rob Gronkowski out of retirement, signing him, and then re-signing him. They brought back Mike Evans. They have their entire starting offense and defense back in the fold. But the moral of the story here is that Tom Brady has a voice in the room, that Tom Brady has input over the offense and the offensive personnel, even down to the scheme that they run on Sundays. Elsewhere in the league, you have Joe Burrow, and it's very clear Even though Joe Burrow was lost last year in November with a torn ACL, it's very clear and very obvious that Bengals GM Duke Tobin has given Joe Burrow a seat at the table because you can talk about all the needs the Bengals had, especially after Burrow's injury. They could have gone out and they could have drafted a tackle. They could have taken Rashawn Slater there. They could have taken any of the top tackles who were available to them in the NFL draft. But instead, they went out and they got another playmaker for Joe Burrow. They went out and they take Jamar Chase, who has the potential to be the AFC or maybe even the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year, and he reunites with Joe Burrow, who the two of them won a national championship together at LSU. He was clearly a favorite target of Joe Burrow. You look at 2019, he catches 84 balls for 1,780 yards and 20 touchdowns. They reunite now in the AFC North in an offense with... Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins, you have a three-headed monster there. And it's very clear that Joe Burrow advocated, and as I was told by one NFL head coach leading up to the NFL draft, Burrow was pounding the table like a scout or a coach would for Jamar Chase. They go and get him. They placated their quarterback. You can look at the same thing that's happening with Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers. They went out and they drafted a premier offensive lineman to keep him upright. The difference here is when you look at Aaron Rodgers, who has a Super Bowl ring, not nearly as many as Tom Brady's seven, but he has a ring on his finger and he hasn't 
been given the same input over personnel. And, and I don't necessarily even blame Gutekunst and the Packers here. Because Rodgers has been talking a lot about the defense, talking about needing help in the secondary. And Green Bay, for their part, did go out and initially, immediately after placating Rodgers and knocking the two years off of his deal and giving the handshake, wink, wink, nod, nod agreement that they would trade him at year's end to his preferred destination next year and not use the franchise tag or any of those things. They weren't going to stand in the way of him being the next Tom Brady and picking his next chapter, his next home to ride off in the NFL sunset. They went out and they traded for Randall Cobb. They went out and got a favorite target of Aaron Rodgers. So I don't necessarily blame the Green Bay Packers, for everything that went on this offseason. In fact, Rogers' comments over the last week and a half have kind of reinforced what I wrote in my column about a month ago, speaking to a former NFL general manager who told me that Rogers is selfish, that, you know, players don't like Aaron Rodgers. They respect him for what he does between the lines and the food that he puts on their family's tables and the wins that they are able to accumulate week after week after week, year after year after year. But Rodgers isn't a guy that they're going to want to hang out with outside of football, just like the Packers were kind of forced, you know, with, with an arm twisted behind their back to keep him for this one-year shotgun marriage. So I look at what's happening in Green Bay, and I think that we can now almost definitively say that everything that was happening in this ongoing soap opera, you can point at Aaron Rodgers. You can say that this is the guy who needs to have it his way. He's seeking too much control, too much input. And maybe that's why the Packers are so reluctant to give it to him the way that the Bengals are with Joe Burrow, the way that the Chargers are with Justin Herbert, and certainly the way Bruce Arians and Jason Light and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are giving the same power and input to Tom Brady. But just as the Aaron Rodgers saga dominated the NFL offseason, the preseason is here. And, and I know that everybody gets so excited about preseason football. I'll be the first to admit I was tuned in. I was watching the first quarter of Thursday night's Hall of Fame game between the Dallas Cowboys and the Pittsburgh Steelers. It was great to see football back. It was great to see a, a packed stadium in Canton, Ohio, something we didn't get to see last year. And, you know, you look at the Dallas Cowboys, you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, and three players really stood out to me above the rest in that game. Of course, the final score doesn't really matter. The fact that the Steelers won 16-3 is really meaningless in the grand scheme of things. But you look at some of the guys that had monster games. And, you know, you have to start with Micah Parsons, the number 12 overall pick out of Penn State, the inside linebacker, outside linebacker, jack-of-all-trades, now likely the heart of the Dallas Cowboys defense and the future of their front seven now that they didn't pick up the fifth-year option on Leighton Vander Esch. But Parsons, you know, put on a show in his debut, just like he was all over the ball, all over the field during his two seasons at Penn State. He recovers a fumble on the Cowboys' first series. He does a nice job tracking down Najee Harris from behind. And you look at the numbers, Micah Parsons kind of busted out there with three solo tackles in the fumble recovery. And, you know, you just look at the headlines coming out of Oxnard. Peter King from Pro Football Talk, Hall of Fame sports writer, spoke to a Cowboys source who said that Micah Parsons is, quote-unquote, wrecking practice every day. You look at Mike McCarthy, the head coach, he comes out and he says that Micah Parsons is a day one starter. That looks like he's been playing at this level for a number of years and his skill set certainly translates. And I've said it before on this podcast, and it's not just the Penn State bias. 
I think that Micah Parsons can compete for a first-team All-Pro spot year one. That's just his skill set. When you take a kid who was a five-star defensive end, the number one rated pass rusher in his recruiting class, and you turn him into an All-American inside linebacker in a year and a half, that's a very unique skill set. I had an executive tell me before the NFL draft that he's an even better Devin White. So Micah Parsons is a guy who really stood out to me on Thursday night in that game. And, you know, for the Steelers, it was two players who really rose above the rest. Number one, it's Chase Claypool. And, you know, I I love this kid. You watch him last year, and he has all of the tools to be a truly dominant number one wide receiver. First of all, the kid's six foot four, 240 pounds. He has great hands. He has great speed. He has explosiveness in the open field. And he busts out last night, and he leads the Steelers in receptions and receiving yards and just has a, a dominant first game of the preseason with three catches for 62 yards. You look at that receiving core, and there are so many questions about Ben Roethlisberger and what he is at this stage of his career, especially after how last season finished. But you look at that receiving core, and you have Deontay Johnson, a true number one wide receiver and the premier player on that Steelers offense. Juju Smith-Schuster. You have Chase Claypool. Just an embarrassment of riches for the Pittsburgh Steelers at the wide receiver position that if Roethlisberger is half the quarterback that he has been and you have Najee Harris and you have Pat Fryermuth as security blankets to kind of take some of that pressure off, you know, this is an offense that while you talk about Pittsburgh Steeler football has always historically been about physical grounded pound football, you look at them this year with all that talent on the perimeter and at the receiver spot, they can really put on a show through the air and defensively for the Steelers it was Alex Highsmith you look at the Dallas Cowboys offensive line and I know that they're a little bit banged up Lael Collins is hurt Tyron Smith has had limited action and it was kind of a a skeleton crew of that Cowboys offensive line that went healthy as one of the best in the league but Highsmith was downright dominant last night he made the Dallas Cowboys offense look like turnstiles I mean you look at his numbers he had the three total tackles he had one sack he had two tackles for loss he was always around the football Highsmith is a guy that I'm going to be watching and really can't wait to see him take steps in his development in year two. But another guy I'm going to be watching this year is Eagles safety Kayvon Wallace. He joins us next right here on the Matt Lombardo Show inside Fansided Stacked in the Box podcast feed. Attention listeners from all across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston. Do we have a pube problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new Lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. That, of course, is Manscaped. Join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code FANSIDED20. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker, Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver, Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver, Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and that's not all. They throw in a travel bag to hold your whole solar system. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. For a clean trinity and beyond, your space balls will thank you. 
Welcome back into the Matt Lombardo Show. Real excited about this conversation with Eagle Safety Kayvon Wallace. You can follow him on Twitter at Kayvon Wallace. Kayvon, how you doing, man? I'm blessed, man. Going through camp, feeling good. Everything going well. Awesome. Really excited to have you on the program here. And, you know, Kayvon, we're a week, maybe two weeks into training camp. The pads got strapped on for the first time the other day. How's your camp been so far? Been going well. Um, getting my hands on balls now is just, you know, time to, to come down with them. But um, just competing. Um, I feel like us as a team has, has been getting a lot better with connecting, uh, bringing each other together, uh, trying to be a unit. And uh, the, the DB room has been tremendous. Uh, we all we all take care of one another. Uh, we all cover each other. And it's, it's, this year is just a different feel. Um, it's special what, what we have going, what we have in store. And I just can't wait for the first preseason game to see how we all, you know, bring it together. Yeah, and that safety group, that defensive back group, that's a pretty special group in its own right before you even branch out to the rest of the defense. I mean, you've you in that room, Rodney McLeod in that room, Super Bowl ring on his finger, Anthony Harris. You know, what's it like being in a room that competitive? And and how do you, Kayvon Wallace, how do you stand out and stand above that group? Well, um, there's a veteran group uh, more so than not as far as experience. You know, we got a 10-year guy in Rodney. We got a seven-year guy in Anthony. And, you know, having those type of leaders and those type of vets in the room has has made me better in, in just different ways I, I can think of the game, different ways I can think of being a safety. You know, um, I never really played true safety until I got into the NFL. Um, when I was at Clemson, I played a little bit of nickel and safety. And when I was in high school, I was a corner. So um, getting a different feel of what it's like to be a true disruptive impactful safety um i'm i'm still trying to get that 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 grasp for myself um and seeing you know those two vets um who established themselves in the nfl and a lot of people know about them already has been a motivational point for me and you know they 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 teach me all types of things man as far as my eyes my, my feet my coverage and leverage and just all types of things that i can the tools that I can put in, into my toolbox so I can go out there and be the best of me I can be. Um, and the competitiveness, you know, it just comes with the game, you know, it just comes with, you know, the offense trying to beat you on the defense. And it just comes with, you know, you know, people uh, in our, in our room, you know, trying to compete as, as far as starting positions, and, um, backup roles or whatever the case may be, but in all in all it's football is football. And we, we all, you know, do our best to, to do it together and to do it as a unit, do it as a team. And um, they have been tremendous leaders. And I feel like, like I said, this is going to be a special year for us. I feel like we're going to, to be one of the top five defenses in, in the world, for real. Has there been something that maybe Rodney McLeod has shown you throughout this camp or even over the last two years, taking you under his wing? Is there an aspect of your game where you feel like you've improved because of something he might've told you, showed you, or taught you as a teammate? It's, it's my eyes. Um, what, what we always harp on is is what we see. Because um, what we see, you know, I'm already gifted with God-given athletic ability to to have a quick twitch, to have long arms, and, and to go out there and make an impact as far as just instincts. 
but um, seeing and believing is is something that I am slowly getting a, a grip on because, you know, coming in as a rookie, not everything you see you can trust because that experience you lack. So with Rodney being as, as, as his, going into his 10th year, um, all he tells me is, you know, where my eyes going to take me. And, and I trust, you know, the, the leadership that he brings to the table. And um, I really believe that that's one of the huge reasons why I'm having a good camp so far. Um, trusting what I see and going out there using my instincts and athletic ability to take care of the rest. And you've said a few times you feel like this could be a really special year. I have to imagine that Nick Sirianni, first year head coach, you know, being around you guys has to play a role in that. And he's a guy that made some waves in his introductory press conference. And then he said that he played rock, paper, scissors with the draft prospects. What's he like behind the scenes as a head coach? And what have your interactions been like with Nick? Um, he's, he's a great leader. First off, he's a, he's a person that, that leads by example. And he's, he's all about connecting. He's all about culture. He's all about unity, family, and, and, and a team camaraderie. And um, one thing I know that anything that you emphasize is, is what you get. And he emphasized, you know, team camaraderie. And I feel like I've been closer to my teammates than I've ever been um, as far as, you know, last year to now, um, you know, just, just with everybody. Wow. That group, the tight end group, the receiver group, um, obviously the defense, you know, we, we always find a way, but um, it's, it's different now. I feel like uh, the, the, the culture has really did a, a good job of, of changing and, and the unity that I feel um, going into my second year has been tremendous. It, it kind of reminds me of the, the brotherhood I had at Clemson where, you know, we hanging out with each other outside of the football field. And um, I feel like he, you know, emphasizes that type of connection. So we automatically, you know, doing he He put a basketball court in, in meeting rooms. And it's, it's, it's a bunch of things that he's doing to help us connect and be more together than ever before. And I feel that's that's one of the big reasons why I feel so strongly about us being special and I can't wait to find out what we're capable of. And Kayvon, we're recording this over Zoom. I see you wearing the, the Clemson Tigers hoodie. The last safety out of Clemson the Eagles had was pretty good, right? I mean, Brian Dawkins, Hall of Famer, probably one of the five to ten best players to ever play the position. Have you connected with Brian at all? Has he kind of – I remember when I was on that beat covering the Eagles, he was in the front office. He'd come down during practice and work with some of the DBs. Has Brian Dawkins taken you under his wing at all? Have you been around him at all or have a, any relationship with him, you know, being another Clemson safety on the Eagles roster? Um, I, when I went to Clemson, I was roommates with his son, B.B. Uh, Jr. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, we, we – we, I didn't talk about this in previous um, interviews, so it's really nothing um, surprising. But uh, you know, being his roommate for my first two years, um, I got to see you know his mom and his sisters and how they you know our family and then my family ended up getting close to his family. So you know, it's, it's just great people. Um, he, he's a he's a great man. Uh, B Dog is is a great man. He's a great leader, and he's a, a spiritual man who who leads by example and he used his spirituality to lead and um, all the, all the, the, the tools that God has given him 
um, he used on the people that he's around. So when I was around him, he always gave me nuggets. He always gave me that that little bit of confidence booster that I may need it at the time. Um, he's always, you know, willing to to listen. He's always willing to to learn. He's always willing to just be a ear for me. Um, you know, last year, I think I had reached out to him a couple of times and, you know, we had conversations here and there. And um, I wouldn't say we, you know, have the, the biggest and strongest, tightest relationship, but he's there for me whenever I need him. And um, that's that's something that I cherish. And I look up to him um, because obviously he was a huge impact um, on that defense when he played back at Clemson. So was I. And we we naturally clicked from there. But um, the relationship I, I grew with his son kind of led to that. You know, me and him got really, really close. And um, he's like a brother to me. And, um, you know, it's just family coming to me, family, really. Um, was, I wouldn't say, you know, he's always, you know, trying to, you know, take me under his wing or trying to mold me into this superstar. You know, it's, it's more life to him than just football. And that's one thing that I, I, I think that's one of the hugest reasons why um, I respect him so much because um, it's, it's, it's barely football talk with him. Um, it's more life and, and spirituality, and, um, your, your own personal self, um, because that's, that's what's important. Because if you don't find yourself, you don't know yourself, then you can't be the superstar that you want to become. So I, I thank him, you know, all the time for the knowledge he has given me. And, you know, our relationship is, is, is cordial and I respect everything he got going on. And shouts out to their family, his his wife. Um, she's an amazing mother. Um, and, yeah. Always great to have a resource like that and, and somebody like Brian Dawkins in your corner helping you along. I mean, that's really exciting. And certainly another guy who seems to have a rising profile is your defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon. I mean, you talk to people around the league, they speak really glowingly about this guy. They think he's a rising star in terms of the coaching community. What's he been like behind the scenes and what's the kind of culture that he's trying to build with this defense? He's a player's coach. And I, I strongly believe those those type of coaches have the most success. Um, I grew up with players coach. My high school coach was the same way. Uh, my coaches, uh, uh, Coach V and, and Sweeney and Mike Reed and Coach Khan um, back in Clemson was was player coaches. And I feel like, you know, that, that type of uh, culture that I told you about uh, at Clemson, we're bringing into the Eagles. And he, he brings that type of tenacity where, you know, the defense got to have that grit, got to have that confidence, got to, you know, get turnovers and got to, you know, whatever we emphasize and we emphasize turnovers and getting the ball and all that stuff. Um, he does it in such a way that we understand, does it in such a way that um, brings us together ultimately. And he, he he's always willing to listen, always willing to to learn from us as much as we, we learn from him. And like I said, man, he's, he's a player's coach first, and he really cares about us. And it's not just all ball to him. You know, he's also, you know, worried about our well-beings and everything like that. So I feel like those I, are the best coaches, the coaches yeah, can, yeah. that can relate to their players, build a scheme around their players versus the other way around, and, you know, kind yeah. of take care of you guys off the field rather than just as pawns on a chessboard. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, that's why you 
you you play with coaches like that because you want to want to run through a wall for them. And I feel like you know that's the, the defense that he's molding. Um, we we've kind of connected like that on that level where we feel like, well, we don't want to mess up. We don't want to give up a big play. We don't want the ball go over our heads because we know that, you know, all the work that he's putting in, uh, we, we want to to make him proud just as much he want to make us proud. Kevin, I want to ask you about some of the young stars you guys have on the other side of the ball that you practice against every day. And, of course, starting with Jalen Hurts. Going into year two for him, he's the guy now. That This is his team. You practice against him every single day. What have you seen out of Jalen Hurts, and what makes you so excited that he can make that big year two leap? Um, I already knew how competitive he was. Um, he was my senior bowl quarterback when I when I was practicing with the senior bowl. That's right, yeah. Yeah, and he. Um, I also played against him in college uh, two or three times, I think. And um, so I, I kind of always – knew about his competitiveness and his tenacity, um, but practicing against him, um, I'm a talker. You know, I, I like to, I like to talk. I like to, to, to use my words to bring out my confidence. Um, and one thing I noticed that he, he kind of does the same. Like he's not a quarterback. He's just going to be quiet. And, and then he's going to, he's going to show you um, not only with, you know, his feet or his arm, he's going to show you with his mouth too, his, as far as just showing you how confident he is. So we'd be, we be going back and forth, a little jaw here, a little jaw there. <laughs> we, we always make fun of each other. Uh, I'd be making sure he don't walk off the field and he makes sure I don't walk off the field. We always making fun of each other like that because back in college, we couldn't do that. So there's a lot of different things that, you know, me and him go through um, as far as, you know, building our, our friendship. Um, he's, a, he's a good friend of mine. And, um, you know, just him being a quarterback and me being a safety, we we always, you know, trying to find a way to to make each other better. Um, I'm trying to find out more about the quarterback position so I can be a better safety and, and the same thing for him. Um, you know, we're just picking each other's brain, just little stuff like that that we always try to try to talk about. Uh, his locker right back next right next to mine as well. So nice. It's it's been it's been good as far as our relationship with one another. And they kind of dropped him into an offense this year with two young receivers. You drafted Jalen Rager in the first round a year ago, Devonta Smith this spring. What, what have those guys been like in practice every single day? I know Devonta's a little bit banged up, but Jalen looks like he, Jalen Rager looks like he's starting to turn some heads in practice the last few days. Speed, explosiveness, um, that, that one play that they can break loose. Uh, I, when I think about Rager, I think about, that Green Bay play of that punt return that he made for a touchdown. That's that's the type of player he is. Just just get the ball in his hands and he's gonna make something happen. And um I feel like, you know, we've done a good job of giving all our young guys on offense a chance to show how explosive they are, Miles and and, and Devontae and and seeing the things that, you know, those young guys can do. I've been very motivating because I'm I'm just as young as them. And I know that, you know, they they can ball, I can ball. And, you know, we just we always compete, man. He Rager going going against uh Slay and and winning his one-on-one battles and Slay winning his one-on-one battles. Like everybody's just making each other better. And um, you know, seeing those young receivers going out there to compete and showing that they they they're fearless is 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 really good to see. You know, not too many wide receivers 
are willing to always compete. I really believe like uh, a lot of receivers, you know, they just, you know, go through the motions and I feel like they're the most prima donna as far as like football positions. But um, I feel like in our wide receiver group is different. Um, that we got some savages, we got some dogs back there in the wide receiver room and we got tremendous leaders like Miles, uh, we got Joe Flacco and Jalen Hurst who are also dogs that, that bring out the best in that offense. How much better can Miles Sanders be? Because he's entering his third year, and you saw especially down the stretch last season, it seemed like he really broke out when Jalen Hurts became the quarterback. He's a guy that great between the tackles, can catch the ball a little bit. What's his ceiling in year three, and what have you seen from him through the first few weeks of camp? Uh, I really don't believe uh, as far as waiting on Hurts to, to, to start for him to have a breakout year. I feel like he had a breakout year since – since game one. That's true. You had that Steeler game where he just ran yeah. wild in his hometown. It yeah. always seems to run wild there, whether it's at Penn State, Philly. It's like we name Heinz Field like Sanders Park or something mm-hmm. like that, right? I, I, I believe he had that type of impact in his hometown because he's such a superstar. I feel like he's 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 that caliber of, of a superstar now. Um, just seeing what he does as far as the runner back position, he has that that dog mentality, he has that tenacious mentality that can't nobody stop me. And you want that from your running back, you want that from your wide receivers, you want that from your quarterback. And um, the 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 competitiveness he brings and, and the jaw that he brings to the practice field brings out the best in everybody around him. Um, I feel like his superstardom has has been contagious as far as making everybody around him better. Um, and everybody on the team loves Miles. Everybody on the team respects what he brings to the table. And um, I believe that the more touches you get him, the, the better offense, you know, that, that we can produce. And I feel like, like I said, he's he's that superstar as far as, like, running back position. You know, they it's, it's superstars all over um, as far as running back position, like the Saints with Alvin Kamara, the, the Vikings with Devin Cook. And I feel like we have that type of caliber running back in, in Booby. And I feel like this year is going to be that ceiling year where he's going to show everybody in the world that he's that that type of top five running back in the league. Kevin, let's bring it back to you. You know, going into this season, your second year, you kind of learned on the fly a little bit last year as a rookie. What makes this a successful year for Kevin Wallace? What are some of your big, big picture goals going into your second year? Man, um, I feel like I feel different as far as my confidence level. You know, um, as as a rookie, you you wanna you wanna show that you can be respected. You wanna show that you can be that impactful player, whether it's on special teams or the defense. And um, I did my hardest to you know earn the respect of my teammates, my peers, and I felt that was most important. Um, and I and I feel like this year they they see all the hard work I put in. They see all the, the extra work I put in after practice. They see all the, you know, work I put in um, outside the facility and whatever I do. And I feel like I've, I've done a good job of gaining that respect of my peers and my teammates. And that's ultimately going to help me be more confident um, because when I got brothers around me who want nothing but the best for me, I feel like, you know, why not lay it on the line for them? Why not? go out there and, and do everything that I can to to help my defense and, and win some games. Um, 
I feel like, you know, me being who I am, confidence is, is the biggest thing as far as just you and, and looking at yourself in the mirror and knowing that, like, you belong, knowing that whatever you do is going to make an impact, um, good or bad, on that, 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 that team that you play on. And I, I truly believe that this year is going to be special for me so I can show the world that I'm, 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 in a, I'm a superstar in the make and I'm a impactful player uh, on this defense. And um, I'm that type of guy that can change the game with just one play. And um, I, I am relentless to the ball. I am relentless in, in learning the game. And, and ultimately, like, I feel like that when it's all said and done, I'm going to be one of the best players to come through this organization. Kayvon, really appreciate the time. Best of luck this season. Hope you reach those goals, and everybody can go ahead and follow Kayvon Wallace on Twitter at Kayvon Wallace. Kayvon, appreciate the time. Look forward Thanks. to talking to you further up the road, my man. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. Thanks, brother. Best of luck the rest of camp, all right? Bless you. Good stuff there from Kayvon Wallace. And listen, this Eagles defense is one that I'm going to be keeping a close eye on. It's really unique because you talk about the mesh and the blend of players. You have Super Bowl winning playmakers like Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham in that front seven. You have one of the premier cornerbacks in the league, a lockdown cornerback like Darius Slay. And a lot of young talent like Kayvon Wallace and Sean Bradley and Alex Singleton. Some really interesting players on that side of the ball in a division in the NFC East where, yes, I think the Eagles are kind of a gap below the Washington football team, the Dallas Cowboys, and the Giants in terms of talent in their starting lineups. But it's kind of wide open. I think the division will be better. I think the Eagles will be better. On the other side, we'll touch on the biggest preseason storyline of the week and one of the more bizarre training camps that I've ever seen in the NFC East with the New York Giants. Keep it right here on the Matt Lombardo Show, Inside Fansided Stacking the Box podcast feed. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest-drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. All right, welcome back in. Really great stuff there again from Kayvon Wallace, and you can check him out on Twitter at Kayvon Wallace. And before we wrap things up here, last Friday, of course, the biggest storyline of the NFL preseason was Carson Wentz going down with a foot injury that at the time, just as we had published on this podcast, Wentz was expected to be out indefinitely. Come Monday, Wentz undergoes surgery for a fractured foot. He's expected to be out 5 to 12 weeks. And as if things couldn't get any worse for the Indianapolis Colts, Quentin Nelson, their all-pro offensive guard, arguably a top two or three player at his position, goes down with the exact same injury and he'll miss 5 to 12 weeks. And here's the real big issue for the Colts. It's really twofold on both of these injuries. Number one, we'll start with Nelson. This is a monumental loss because when you talk about foot injuries, especially microfractures like Wentz and like Nelson have dealt with here, they're load-bearing. So that could really extend out the time frame that these guys are out. And especially for Nelson, you're talking about an offensive guard, a guy who weighs 345 plus. You know, you're, you're talking about 
a significant injury to one of the most important players on your roster. And when it comes to Wentz, the bigger concern here isn't just about the implications of the 2021 season, because I spoke with an offensive coordinator who loved Jacob Eason and thinks that Jacob Eason is a big, strong guy who can make all the throws and that the drop off from Wentz to Eason isn't as dramatic as some people might think. But for Indianapolis, they have to worry about beyond 2021. And of course, the good news here for the Colts is part of that trade that brought Wentz over from the Eagles was the second round pick, the conditional second rounder, becomes a first round pick that they would have to trade to the Eagles if Wentz is on the field for 75% of the Colts' offensive snaps. That might not happen. If, if Wentz is out until October 24th, that might not happen. And of course, Frank Reich and Indianapolis are going to monitor that very closely. There's a chance that Wentz could beat the time frame and be back by week one or two, and that part of the conversation is moot. But this is another injury on a very lengthy injury history for a guy who, when you talk to people around the league, going into this year, there were some whispers after the severe concussion last year, after the fractured back, after the rib injury, after his temperament and after everything and because of everything that he has going on with his life off of the field all of the the faith-based things that he's doing away from football the fact that he has the wife he has the daughter with a second child on the way there was real concern that Carson Wentz could become the next Andrew Luck and just up and retire you know I'm not reporting anything here but it wouldn't surprise me if this doesn't go well if this rehab doesn't go well for Carson Wentz that I would not be shocked if he rides off into the sunset. But in the immediacy for the Colts, they have to feel good about their chances of keeping that first-round pick. And, you know, when they get Wentz back, they're going to have to dig out of a hole because their first month of the season is as brutal as it gets. Within the opening up against the Seattle Seahawks, against the Rams, at the Titans, at the Dolphins, at the Ravens, I mean, you're staring down the barrel at 0-5 even if Eason doesn't have a significant drop-off. And that's just not how they drew it up. And if you look at the AFC South, Tennessee now becomes a prohibitive favorite there. They could become, as I wrote in my column on Wednesday, go check it out at fansided.com, the Tennessee Titans could become the prohibitive favorite for the number two seed in the AFC. You have Julio Jones, you have A.J. Brown, you have Derrick Henry, you have Ryan Tannehill, a veteran quarterback, a defense that went out and they brought in some marquee players, a marquee pass rusher like Bud Dupree to shore up that side of the ball. They have the easiest road of anybody to be the number two seed. The AFC East is going to be better. The Jets are going to be better. The Dolphins, if Tua Tagovailoa doesn't fall off a cliff, they're going to be better. And that makes the road for the Buffalo Bills just a little bit tougher, not to mention the fact that Bill Belichick and the Patriots are probably going to bounce back this year. So the road for the Bills to the number two seed behind the Kansas City Chiefs gets a little bit tougher. So I think the Tennessee Titans, they're a team to watch to go 6-0 and in the AFC South. They're a team to watch for the number two seed and a couple of home games in the playoffs. So that's going to be really fascinating to see how the Carson Wentz injury unfolds with its after effects stretching around the league. And while any speculation or conjecture about Carson Wentz's future and him potentially becoming the next Andrew Luck and walking out into an early retirement is just that, even on my part, conjecture and speculation, one team that's battled an unprecedented spate of retirements during training camp is the New York Giants. I've never seen anything like this. I've, I've covered the NFL in a full-time capacity since 2014, written about the NFL, covered the NFL part-time going all the way back to 2011. I have never seen 
anything like we're seeing out of Giants camp this week. And just to recap, there have now been four players who have retired since the start of training camp. Of course, you had Calvin Benjamin and his very public spat on the field 15 minutes into the first practice of training camp where Joe Judge informs Calvin Benjamin that he's going to be fined. And Zach Rosenblatt, my former colleague at NJ.com, did a terrific job tracking down Calvin Benjamin. And Benjamin kind of lashed out at Joe Judge saying that he doesn't have what it takes to be a Super Bowl winning head coach. Went into all the details about the fact that the Giants asked that he come to training camp weighing 268 pounds and he was way overweight, so he was going to get fined. So you have that situation but then of course over the past week alone you have linebacker Todd Davis veteran linebacker he retires four days after signing with the New York Giants Joe Looney a former Dallas Cowboys offensive lineman who was probably going to play a pretty key role along that offensive line maybe even as the swing guard and backup center he retires four days after signing with the New York Giants and then on Wednesday night the Giants had Zach Fulton, an offensive guard who was signed as a free agent back in March, and he retires. So four retirements since camp begins, three retirements within the span of a week. And listen, there's a lot of talk on Twitter. There's a lot of talk across the internet about how this is a revolt against Joe Judge. These are the players that can't handle playing in Camp Judge and all of these things. Here's the deal. I understand some of that criticism. I really do. But you listen to Sterling Shepard this week, and he came out and gave an impassioned defense of Joe Judge and basically said that if you can't handle the standard that Judge holds the Giants to, then you're free to get out. Now, you hear from people around the league. Mike Garofolo of NFL Network comes out and reports that Joe Looney's retirement has nothing to do with Joe Judge, that Zach Fulton's retirement has nothing to do with Joe Judge, that these are just older players who the spirit was there. Mentally, they wanted to be there. They wanted to play, but their bodies just weren't to the point where they could play at a high level anymore. And I totally respect that. I absolutely respect guys who say, you know what, I'm not going to be a farce I'm not going to take a roster spot away from a young player who has the chance to start their career just so I can collect a paycheck and prolong mine so if that's the case kudos to these guys but I have a hard time believing that the way that the Giants run training camp with the penalty laps after every mistake, that after the benches clearing fight where Daniel Jones ended up at the bottom of the pile and Joe Judge was just apoplectic at his players basically i had never seen anything like this before either where judge stops practice rips into his team chews them out you know lectures them and then has them run a set of 100 yard gassers a second set of 100 yard gassers and then when the whistle blows lines the whole team up along the goal line because some guys were walking back rather than jogging has them do 10 push-ups runs them again does 10 more push-ups i had never seen anything like it i thought somebody was going to get sick i wouldn't have been surprised if somebody walked out of practice and retired right then and there so now while i don't believe that joe judge and his football guy quote unquote his tough as nails his approach to coaching football, to coaching training camp, drove these guys into retirement. 
I do kind of wonder if these guys who were on the back end of their career anyway just got a taste of this and said, you know what, it's not for me. I wouldn't read much more into it than that. The Raiders had three players retire. I almost think that with everything going on, everything that's going on in the day-to-day lives of, of people, of society, of football players, of, of everybody out there over the past 12 to 18 months, it takes a toll mentally. And if your body isn't where it needs to be, and you're going to step away because it gives another young player the opportunity to start their career, I commend that. So I'm not reading too much into the anti-Joe Judge rhetoric. I'm not blaming Joe Judge for all of these retirements that have kind of come out of nowhere. But I do wonder if having to do 100-yard gassers and 10 push-ups and 100-yard gassers and 10 more push-ups didn't factor into the decision just a little bit. But for the Giants... It's really going to be fascinating to see how this unfolds in September, October, November. If these were the moments where you look back on and you say, okay, the Giants are a very tough, physical, fundamentally sound football team, which is clearly what Joe Judge, defensive coordinator Patrick Graham, and offensive coordinator Jason Garrett hope is the takeaway from this camp, or if veteran players are just going to continue to kind of tune it out. I don't think that's going to be the case, and I think that it's going to be really dependent on the offense taking a big step, because I think the defense has a lot of talent. The secondary is one of the top five or so in the entire league. It's going to come down to Daniel Jones taking the step. It's going to come down to the offense living up to the hype and the expectations, and by October November, I don't think we're going to be talking about guys retiring. I don't think we're going to be talking about this physical, brutal training camp that Joe Judge put together for his players. We're going to be talking about the Giants being a team pushing for a division title or massively failing to live up to expectations because the quarterback didn't make the leap that the organization hoped that he would. Going to be fascinating to watch that. Going to be exciting to watch the rest of the preseason and all of the storylines unfold as this season goes along. Thanks to you for listening. I appreciate it. As always, please go ahead and subscribe in the Apple Podcast Store, in Spotify, SoundCloud, Spreaker. Leave us those five-star reviews and let me know the player, coach, executive, former player that you'd love to hear on the podcast, and I'll go and get them. Write that inside a five-star review, and we'll go and get them on or try to get them on in coming weeks. Thanks to Fanside. It's Cole Thompson. Each and every week, Cole is instrumental in putting this podcast together. And thanks to Eagle Safety, Kayvon Wallace, for dropping by what a great conversation and thanks to everybody for tuning in for subscribing for leaving those five-star reviews i'm matt lombardo you can follow me on twitter at matt lombardo nfl have a great week everybody we'll talk to you next week right here on the matt lombardo show inside fan side it's stacking the box podcast feed Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply.